All right, we're jumping in. We're talking about how we change. How we change. I first of all want to make sure that you realize I believe and I hope you believe we can change. There's hope for us to have the ability in our lives to say, okay, I don't have to be this way anymore. Now I realize we're stuck with certain DNA and personality types, but with discipline in our life and practicing, we can change. And, and I, that's what I believe about this series, how we change. And we've been talking about some of the traits and the practices that we need to practice in order to be part of the kingdom of God and be an example of that kingdom. And, and this weekend is community. What does it mean to practice community in our lives? Now this word gets thrown around all the time, so I want you to really kind of take a journey with me today. I'm going to say a few things that are going to challenge you. Don't be angry at me. Don't judge me. Just stop and be open and say, do I fit into that? Am I living kind of a selfish life? Am I making life all about me? Because we're in a culture that actually worships self. And it gives you every opportunity to just be yourself and praise yourself and live to yourself. And it's almost... It almost exonerates you the more you talk about your accomplishments and what you've done. And I want to kind of bust that up today. And I want you to think about how your life is being spent. Where are you giving? Where are you serving? Who are you connecting to? And these are challenges. And they're challenges for me too. So I'm coming to you with a pretty open mind about what I'm, I'm struggling with as well. But community is very important. Two questions to kick it off. Here we go. Do you feel supported and connected with people who care about you? Just think about that for a minute. Genuinely, really. You could name some names of people you feel connected to that genuinely care about you. Second part of the question. Do you believe that there are other people that feel connected and supported by you? In other words, did, did your name pop up with the first question? Because those two questions really help identify whether or not you are a successful community person. Because that's really what defines it. Do I have close friendship and relationship with others? And am I giving myself to others that they call close in relationship? Jesus, if you think of the model here, okay? He comes to earth, you don't hear anything about him. For 30 years. I don't think he was a big extrovert that partied every Friday night where he grew up. I really don't. There's nothing said about his childhood. And all of a sudden at 30 years old, he launches his ministry and he picks 12 guys. Community. And he spends the next three years hanging out with these 12 men. And out of the 12, Peter, James, John, they, they became really the three of his community and his small group. And he leaned on them. You say, well, Jesus didn't need them. Yeah, he did. In Gethsemane, we see the flesh. We see Jesus weeping. We see Jesus lonely. We see him coming back and waking up the disciples and saying, can you please pray? I'm, I'm suffering. I need you. Wake up. Pray. He did that multiple times. Why? Because he needed community. How much more do we need community in our lives? We had a, a, a pastor's retreat years ago. And 
we, I think it might have been Breckenridge, but I can't remember for sure. But it was one of those mountain towns like Steamboat or Breckenridge or somewhere. And we went to the front of the hotel and they had a, a person there that kind of had activities planned and they knew all about the area. And we said, we want to do like a day hike. Uh, some of us want to just, we don't want to climb a 14er. We just want to do a nice little hike that'll take a couple hours and, and not suffer too much. Mostly a, a walk in the mountains. And they said, we know the perfect trail. They named it. And we said, okay, where do we park? They gave us a little map and showed us. And then they said this. Now, about a tenth of a mile up the road, you're going to see a little house off to the left that looks like a big junkyard. And there's a man who lives in that house. Do not talk to him. Do not engage with him. Do not try to get his attention and do not step onto his property. He's kind of a madman. He's known as a crazy person up here. And sometimes he rants and raves when people walk across that trail, even though it's not on his land. And we're like, well, should we even take this walk? <laughs> it was creepy. And we go up the hill. Sure enough, here it was. There was a fire in the fireplace, smokestack coming out, stuff everywhere. And he was outside chopping wood. So I said, hey, man, can we talk to you for a minute? No, I'm kidding. I did not. <laughs> I did not. There was a sign outside that was put on with paint, like just a brush and paint. And here's what it said, and I quote, If you trespass, you will be shot. Capital letters, not kidding. How many of you think something, something back there happened to that man that caused him to not really want to be around people? Yeah, some, there's a story there. Something happened there. I don't know his story. I don't even know if he's still alive. But I feel bad when people have experiences that push them out of community. I know people who, they're not coming back to church because they got wounded so deeply in a church. And they, they've just given up. They say, I love God, but I don't do the church thing. And I say, well, you know, we are the bride of Christ. You probably, I don't know how God feels about you liking him, but not his bride. That's kind of tricky. So, so we have to pay attention. In community, how can we value people at a high level? Because that's really what this message is about. This show alone. Have you guys ever seen that show alone? It's like a survival show. And these people are left alone. And the person who stays the longest, they have like 10 tools. And it's amazing how many people leave the island where they are, are put off to because they just can't stand being alone. Now, we're in a culture, before I get into the outline exactly, I just want to make an observation. You can agree or disagree, but I think it's worth saying. Social media almost makes it where you're kind of never alone. You have access. I mean, if you're in a house by yourself for a month, but you have access to internet and news and all that, you can stay caught up on everything happening in the world. So it's not like... You know, they did not have that in the New Testament church. They're, they didn't have news. Their news was, let's go down to the well or let's go down to the market and let's hang out with people. They didn't have any means or ability to know what was going on in the world. But I think what's happened in our culture, possibly, is that these social media things are sort of counterfeits to what God really wants for us. My social media friends can't bring to me that level of care and response. Well, yeah, but you don't know how many followers I have. I, I don't care. Yeah, but I got a lot of likes on that page. I don't care. 
They might, they might not even really know you. Do they know your soul? Do they know the condition of your heart? Do they really know you? And social media can be a counterfeit for the things that God, through his spirit, want us to have in community as a group of people. So let's go. Here's the outline. Number one, living in community should first of all be understood. I'm going to take a couple of minutes and say a couple things about this. After the crucifixion of Jesus, he came back from the dead. We have the resurrection. We have him showing himself to multiple people. And then we have in Acts chapter 1, after the Gospels, he's, he dies, he's resurrected. Luke decides to write all the actions. That's why it's called the book of Acts. It's the actions of the church. Jesus is ascended into heaven in front of a bunch of people. And then Acts 2 they go up to the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes upon them the day of Pentecost. And then they become a church. And this started to define church as we know it today. This was the first church. So these last verses of Acts 2 give us a picture of what their practice was in community. Now keep in mind, and I'm going to say this multiple times, the things they did it doesn't mean we are mandated to do it like that. It's just a simple note of what they did and how they did it. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, which means koinonia, gathering, community, and to sharing in meals, including communion, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is kind of a, a, a snapshot of the early church they they came with an act of free will jesus didn't say go and have all your meals together <laughs> go go and and make sure you gather every day at the same place and pray that wasn't a mandate it's just what happened and this is a record of what happened so we need to remember that this is about free will this is about your choice to say i want community in my life I want to have people, and I want to give myself to other people. It's not just about taking, but it's about giving. You have gifts. You have talents that others may need. And, and, and I realize it can't be this way for everybody, but it can be for some. We're not talking, when we talk about community, the word gets misused because of, of commune. And, and people think, you know, re these religious groups that go and buy property on a mountain and they put a big gate around it and they say no one can come in cult-like groups i'm not talking about that at all okay everybody get that i'm just talking about the people in your life extension of friendship of life of joy of laughter of memories of sharing do we have that do you have that do you value it all these things really matter so what we've done is we we have a little area out in the mall today uh, it's actually that whole right side if you walk out the back door. I'd love for you to just take a few moments and walk around back there because Mackenzie Matthews, who's heading up all of our connections here at, at Timberline, or we're doing some really fun things. And let me just give you a little snapshot. We, we, are, we have Bible studies, um, women's and equip. We have interest groups that are starting, some that are already going. The basic goal of an interest group is like social connection around a common interest. So right now we're launching a women's hiking group. 
Um, we have a women's golf group. Some of these are kind of in the spring as, as we get out of this cold. A men's mountain biking group. If you're a cyclist, guys, and you want to, there's Dave Goldfain is saying, I'm open to have anyone come ride with me three times a week at 525 in the morning. It is called a small group for a reason. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's my coffee group, <laughs> all right? But, but they do it. Snow or sunshine, they go. And so if you want to be a part of that, go back there. Sign up. But, but these are some of the fun things that we're going to be doing. We're recruiting people to lead some of these interest groups. We want to have a pickleball uh, tournament. How many of you have played pickleball? Isn't that fun? Yeah, Bonnie and I, we like it a lot, so we might get involved in that. We also want to have a summer uh, softball team uh, this summer. So hopefully now with the COVID restrictions kind of coming down, we can do some of these social things that get us connected, get us to know each other. And there's tons of things. And we're in Colorado. Good grief. We can do hiking and cycling and all this stuff. So I'm very excited to say your church is inviting you to be a part of community and have some fun together and get to know some people in your life that can give you something and you can give back. We start in a new small group called Flying Solo Group for singles. Uh, a few women's small groups that are about to launch. We have 17 open groups right now. It's all back there. So go back there and check it all out. Number two, living in community, this is a really big word, is about willingness. Willingness. <laughs> Say it with me. Willingness. That is a tricky word. You know, am I willing? Well, I would say yes, but my actions might say not really. I'm, I, it's easy to say I'm willing to meet some new people or hang out with them, but, but then, then it be, if, it, if it becomes mandated, like forced, then it's no free will at all. And then I'm definitely not interested. And so we can't make you have a friend, but, but we don't want you to live alone. And we want you to have community that is deeply meaningful to you. Verse 43, Acts 2. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. Again, this is a record of what they did, not a mandate of what we have to do. It's just saying, there's some deep care going on here. I see a need, I'm going to meet it. And i got to tell you, I am so proud of you if you're giving I mean this because we have been able to meet needs of people who have needs, just like this says. And, and sitting on my end at my desk seeing how we can, we can help people who have those needs because some of you have been blessed and you're tithing and you're giving and you're a part of something bigger than yourself. It's like, man, this actually works. So fun. I really, really like it. What is your level of willingness to get to know other people? So when, I, when, I, when Bonnie and I travel, we go to Arizona mostly. It's about the only place we go because our kids and grandkids are there. So it's a cheap flight. Usually we can buy cheap tickets. But I always try to get the exit row because I'm 6'4". My legs are long. So those little airplane seats were not made for me, okay? And so I always try to get the exit row. And what happens is when I'm able to get it, even if I have to pay a little bit more, when you walk through to get onto the aircraft, on an exit row, something very significant happens. When you put your ticket down on the little beeper for it to scan it, 
How many of you know what's going to happen? It beeps. It goes, beep. And first time it happened, I'm like, whoa, did I do something wrong? She said, are you willing and able? I said, to do what? (laughs) She said, to open the exit door if need be. I said, yes. And I went on through. We get on the airplane. We sit down in the exit row. The flight attendant comes up and says, have you read the brochure? I said, no. (laughs) Would you please read the brochure? Are you willing and able? Yes. Actually, she said, I need a verbal yes from all of you in this row. So literally it went, yes, 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 yes. This one guy went, she said, I need a verbal yes. And I thought about that the other day and, and, and looking at this message, I think sometimes God is saying, are you willing and able? Yes. It's not just a nod. God's saying, say it and do it. Am I willing to get invested in someone's life? Because it's not always easy to be in someone's life. It's a true dilemma for us. What is the balance between having other people in my life and living for myself? And the challenge is very real because our personalities are different. Some of you are very people-oriented, and you just can't imagine not being around people. That's, that's why you live. Others of you, eh. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty good by myself. Just uh, pretty happy with that. I, and I, I get that. Let me, let, me, let me say this, and I hope you'll really hear the heart behind this. For some, being part of community or small group is a discipline more than it is a need. You with me? So, so keep that in mind in the practices series that we're looking at now. Some of these things are easy for some, difficult for others. But will I be open? Will I at least have a willingness in my life to examine these things? Number three, living in community is about invitation. It's about inviting you in, not, not forcing someone in. I don't, I don't like situations where... I'm being told I have to do this and, and, and I have no option. And it's like, wow, could I, you know, at least have a say in who comes over for dinner, you know, <laughs> or where I go to dinner or whatever? Look at verse 45. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy, not burden. Great joy. They laughed. They sang. They had, they had a party with great generosity. All the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What a picture. Again, not mandated. What is it that happens in my life that, that makes me want to be here with you today? This is not just a job for me. I like our community. I like being with you. I like being with the people of God. I like accomplishing goals together. I like tackling challenges with vision in our city, our community, our county. And we do that so much better when we do it together. And it doesn't mean that I need to feel guilty if I don't invite everybody into my life. I said to someone the other day, they said, this church is way bigger than I've ever been to. I just don't know if I can be part of like a big church. I said, we're not a big church. We're just like a small town. We're just, we're just a very friendly group of people who, you don't know everybody at Timberline, you're not supposed to, but you need to know somebody. And you have a lot of options here. 
You have a lot of ways if you work it to be in groups, to be signed up for things that you enjoy and you meet people with common interests. And all of a sudden, they're ministering to your life and you're ministering to their life. And, and all of a sudden, there's friendship that happens. I love that. I remember, you guys, this is very real for me because I do like people. I like community and I have community in my world. But I remember when our church grew to the point, when, when we, we first came here in 1986, man, I shoveled the walks when it snowed. We were over on 1800 South La May. I mowed the grass. I had a, a key ring this big. I unlocked the building before service and turned on the heat or the AC. I remember after church, we were the last ones to leave. I'd go around and flush all the toilets and lock all the doors and turn the thermostats down. That was just my life. And I was just as happy then as I am now. But I can tell you, I remember when all of a sudden, we weren't 100 people anymore. And I was overwhelmed as a pastor. And I remember saying to people like Steve Harris, you've got to do some weddings. You've got to do some funerals. I can't do all these. And I love doing them. One of the heartbreaks for me is to give up the things that, that I, it, it endears me to you. But I, I know I can't do everything, Right? You can't do everything. So we're not a church that's asking you to sign up for 10 things and show up to all of them. Pick one. Do one thing. I can't do all the weddings. I used to do every baptism that we had in this church. And I hate it that I, I'm not doing those anymore because I love them. But I can't. And so I realize there are limits. Being in community with others actually means deciding sometimes what I need to say no to in order to say yes to the best things, the right things. I didn't want to dump my family off because I'm pastoring a church that needs me more than my family does. I didn't want my marriage to fail because I have no time and all I bring home is the leftovers, right? And that, that needs to be modeled for us because we're not very good at it. And I'm not saying I was good at it. I'm just saying these are the challenges that we have when it comes to how much time can I give? A weekly, consistent small group is tough for me. I have about three small groups, and it just varies. It could be once a month and some men's groups that I meet with, and, and it's wonderful. And I love it, and I cherish these guys, and they're in my life, but I, ha I can't say yes to everything. Um, number four. Last thing. Living in community is about being better together. It's about understanding that we can connect under the banner of the kingdom of God and accomplish some things we could never do without doing it together. Now, you can do some things together with a church like this without ever knowing everyone who's participating. There are other times when you need to know them. It's prayer, it's connection, it's sharing your weakness and your strength, and it's getting involved deeply in someone else's life. But look at this last line, verse 47 of Acts 2. It says it so beautifully. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love that line. It's the result of community. It's the idea that if we walk in unity, I don't think there's anything worse in the world than a church split. That, that just breaks God's heart because the stubbornness of people to say, you know, we don't like you. We, you're not doing it right. I get, I get why it happens, but it's usually selfishness. And we have to be better than that. 
We have to be the community that steps over those hurdles and says, look, I don't have to agree with you. I might disagree with that, but I love you. You're my brother. We sang a song today that said, we are the, the daughters and sons of God. I mean, I sit there and I look at those words on the screen sometimes and I go, whoa, can I say that and believe it and know it? When I look around this room, do I feel that way about you? It's really touching. If we take it seriously, it changes our lives in a big, big way. I had a really fun thing happen the other day, and it was so timely for this message because I was thinking about why people leave church, why they give up on church and connection and all that. And it's usually hurt or pain. <laughs> so Bonnie is going through all the stuff that we haven't gone through like literally in a couple decades. Boxes in the attic. How many of you have that? Okay. We do too. And we're cleaning it out. And we came across a really fun thing that we had this little campaign in our church back on LeMay called Try Church Again. And there was a newspaper back then called the Colorado one. Have you guys heard of that? The Colorado one. And we put ads, like this is literally, see it's kind of brown, but this is old. But we put ads in the paper. I think we had a four-part ad with color. We, we put the red on there. Yeah, see here it is. This is you can't read that, but I'm going to read it to you real fast. 12 reasons why I no longer go to sports events. See if you can find the commonalities between people who don't go to church and people who don't go to sports. 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel I know more than the coaches anyway. 10, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. 9, the games are scheduled when I want to do something else. Number eight, the band played some songs I never heard of before. I love that one. Seven, some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. Six, I was sitting with some hypocrites. They came only to see what others were wearing. Five, the referee made a decision which I could not agree. Four, the coach never came to call on me at my house. Three, the seats are too hard and not comfortable. Two, the people with whom I had to sit didn't seem very friendly and number one every time I went they asked me for money <laughs> people give up on community for a variety of reasons and sometimes it is serious hurt and I'm not mocking that today because it's real some of you have been hurt by church I'm sorry that's not what the kingdom should have been the kingdom should have been for you, community that loves you, cares about you, and is there for you at almost any cost. I want you to think about that. Try church again. Try God again. Try community again. It shouldn't be draining. It should be life-giving. Three steps real fast. Number one, this is some stuff I want you to just think about this week. Be open to others. Just, just walk around today when you're back there and just be open to looking at someone and smiling and saying hi. If a conversation happens, ask them about themselves. Do that over the next week or two, whether it's at church or in a store or wherever. Win the opportunity. Don't beat somebody's door down or force yourself into their life. And that leads into the number two. Don't try to make everyone your best friend. <laughs> you, if you have one best friend, you're fortunate. Okay? Bonnie, my wife, is my best friend, but I have some other best friends, too, in, in terms of males who, who I, I can talk to, I can be with. And I want you to have that in your life. 
And so, but I, I, don't, I don't need another best friend right now. And so if someone is trying to be my best friend and I'm not needing that, it's awkward. Because it's, have you ever heard of the word smother? Yeah, don't smother people because of your needs. Let it be mutual, reciprocal. And, and let that happen naturally. Number three, put some time and energy into relationships. And these are probably relationships you already have. So, someone said to me, well, how do I get in a small group? This was years ago. I don't even know why I said it. I said, you're already in one. And they said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you probably are. Who do you hang out with? Who do you go to the games with? Who do you? And they said, oh, well, yeah, we have a, a couple of couples that we, I said, that's probably your small group. Just develop it. Just be intentional about sitting down with them and getting into a deeper conversation. And if you do that, you're going to be amazed at what happens. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. We've been doing these sticky, sticky notes on the walls. It's really been fun. And the pins are over there. The sticky notes are over there. So I invite all of you to just answer this question and write the name down. And here's what it is. Write the first name of someone that you would get you'd like to get to know a little better. Just write the first name. Say, and, and let me just make a rule. You already know them. You know, I don't want you to go out into the mall area and say, hi, I don't know anybody. What's your name? Because I really want to get to know you. No, this is probably someone that you know. Maybe it's a, an acquaintance. Maybe you run into them often. They're in your neighborhood. And you go, I'm going to have coffee with them. I'm just going to hear their story. I, nothing big. I'm not talking about converting anybody or trying to, you know, just, just to know them a little better and see what happens. Because God has some plans in your life that if you take step one, he usually provides step two and three. <laughs> I love that about God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you really care about relationships. Thank you that you said we are the people who love each other. And the community knows us by the love we have for each other. That's remarkable. It's remarkable. Could we be that testimony of your bride, your kingdom in our community? Lord, may it be true. May we genuinely love each other. Not forced, but out of our own free will and the expression of the kingdom of God inside of us that comes out through valuing relationships. We thank you for this today, Lord. We trust you. And Lord, if there's anyone here or online that doesn't know you personally in this moment, would you just, would you just knock on their heart? If that's you and you know you're not even in the community of God, you could change that right now by just saying, Jesus, I want to be in your family. Forgive me, cleanse me. I, my faith is in what you did on that cross and resurrection. I believe. And that's the first step. And we'll help you. We'll help you. Lord, we celebrate this truth today. And we thank you for one another. And we thank you that we do not have to live alone or be alone when we are part of the community of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.